0: It's gonna be alright. Come
1: on, y'all know the song. A little louder, Matt. True. Singing.
0: This,
1: this is my All right. Don't worry about a thing, by that wonderful, great philosopher and poet, uh, Bob Marley. Uh, his encouragement, uh, really drawn from the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. You know, looking at the birds and and don't worry about a thing. And and, uh, you know, I was looking at this uh, particular clip this week. Uh, it's from a movie called Passengers. I don't know if you've ever seen Passengers. Essentially, uh, Chris uh, Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence essentially wake up 90 years early. Uh, they're on a uh, 60 million light year trip across uh, the universe or across the, the uh, solar system. And they're making their way uh, to a far distant colony. And, uh, well, this, this happens.
0: Every cloud has a silver lining. Guess I am gonna die of old age on this ship. Oh, we all die. Even androids end up on the scrappy. I'm your only customer, why are you always polishing a glass? Trick of the trade.
1: Makes people nervous when a bartender just stands there. So lay some bartender wisdom on me, I'm lost in space here. You're not where you want to be. You feel like you're supposed to be somewhere else. (laughs) You said it. Well, say you could snap your fingers and be wherever you wanted to be. I bet you'd still feel this way, not in the right place. Point is, you can't get so hung up on where you'd rather be that you forget how to make the most of where you are. What are you telling me? Take a break from worrying about what you can't control. Now, every... Take a break from what you can't control. I'm going to share with you a prayer uh, that is ministry to my soul. Uh, As we open our Bibles, everybody say word. Uh, We're in Matthew. Everybody say word. Word. Yeah. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 is where we'll be. But here's the prayer. I love this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You know, um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but we all have a lot to worry about uh, in this life. There are things we can control, and there are things that we can't. Uh, But the prevailing principle of the morning is, is simple, that the son or daughter of God has no reason to worry. We have no reason to be anxious, not about a single thing. Uh, but we probably will. Which makes this teaching all the more important, I believe, this morning. And I don't know about you, but I personally, I need some really practical spiritual guidance as it relates to anxiety and worry. Because you know what? Anxiety is like my little buddy. Uh, always likes to hang out. I'm not sure where your little buddy shows up at. Sometimes we feel it in our shoulders or our neck or our tummies. Mine, uh, my anxiety, shows up in in like a flooded feeling and then a flurry of activity. I start sweeping the floors and doing laundry and rearranging all the chairs in the auditorium. How do you all think my week was? Yeah, a little anxious week. Uh, You know, it feels like every program on my desktop opens all at once. And no matter how fast I close a program, the next program uh, pops up. And and what I need more than anything, what I need more than anything in the world, and uh, sometimes it's like the last thing I turn to, but what I really need more than anything in the world when I'm getting flooded with anxiety and with worry, what I need more than anything else in the world is that I need to sit at the feet of Jesus. To reorient our minds and our hearts, our souls to where we are at in our study of the gospel of Matthew, I turn our attention very, very briefly to Matthew chapter 5. It is the, the setting of the Sermon on the Mount where we are at. And we have been in this journey through the Sermon on the Mount. One of the great extended discourses of Jesus found in the scriptures Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. That is the picture, right? Like, there were the crowds, and they, they see, they hear about. There's some inkling or of understanding of who Jesus is, but it is his disciples who follow him up the hill. And Jesus takes his rightful seat, and we sit at his feet. And why? Why do we sit at his feet? Well, to be taught and praise God. God, and he opened his mouth and he taught them. And Lord, we need this teaching this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. We'll read through it, and and then we're going to take it apart, uh, section by section. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I'm going to say that again. Do not be anxious about your life. Life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds, three little birds, perched by my doorstep. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And which of you by being anxious, what is the obvious answer? No one. Yeah. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But of God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, Oh, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, they seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, this morning, we're going to unpack uh, six reasons why we don't have to worry. We're going to look at the first three this week, and then next week, we'll look at the following three. Uh, as we walk through this particular passage, the first reason we don't have to worry is life is more than what we worry about. Your life is more than what you worry about. Matthew 6, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And you know what's fascinating? This is less a pointed finger and more an invitation. Jesus is saying that as a follower of Jesus, you don't have to worry anymore. You see, your life is not your own. You've been purchased at a price. You are now Jesus' responsibility. And so he says with grace, that don't worry about your life. And what you will eat or what you will drink or, or what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And so Jesus here, you know, he's referencing the basic building blocks of life, right? Like food, water, clothes, and shelter. That's all pretty basic stuff, right? And and we certainly do worry about these things. We worry about provision, meeting the bills. Some of us are trying to figure out how to pay for college for our kids, or some of you are in college and you're trying to figure out how you're gonna do that. Buying diapers, man, I remember the raise we got when we stopped buying diapers. We bought diapers for a decade. No, 14 years, was it 14 years? 12, 14 years? How much money? It's unbelievable. Uh, Worried about retirement? I know some of you are sitting there like, what's that? I don't know if I'll ever see that. According to American psychologist uh, Abraham Maslow, this would be the first two layers of a hierarchy of needs labeled security. And and we certainly do have these things. That's not all we worry about. But what Jesus is doing is he's arguing from the most basic to to let us know that even the bigger needs are going to be met. But I will say this. If you don't have water, it's not long before that becomes the most important thing to you. Uh, we had an experience. Madeline and I hiked Death Valley. It's named that because nothing grows there. It's like no water. And we were on this 26-mile backpacking trip, and we start out. We're like, this is going to be great. About two miles in, we're like, this is going to be terrible. And uh, we ran out of water pretty quick, which is an awesome feeling, by the way. And uh, But we brought a water purifying kit. And And, you know, the first time we stopped, there was like this little spring, and we were... Getting fresh water, and we're like, oh, this is going to be great. Well, the farther you get into the trip, the smaller and smaller those pools get. And your standards, right, like of clean water, whatever clean water is, you're like, I won't drink all that water. Well, you're in the middle of Death Valley. You'll drink water out of a mud puddle, which we did, actually. But that was the most important thing to us. Like, we needed water. And to Jesus' original audience, these, these words would have seemed very, very applicable because Jesus wasn't speaking to the, the wealthy or the affluent. He was speaking to, like, the day laborer. And, and he was speaking to the blue-collar worker. And he's like, I, I know you're worried about these things. I know you're worried about food and, and clothing and, and, and all this stuff, but you don't have to. You know, it brings back a lot of memories when Madeline and I were were broke. And and I mean, so broke. And you're supposed to say, how broke were you? All right, let's do that. We were so broke. We were so broke that when Top Ramen went from 15 cents to 25 cents a package, it was a hardship. How broke were you? Oh, we were so broke that literally at one point in time, I thought, you know, using an old T-shirt for diapers was a good option. We were so broke that government cheese became a delicacy. We were in fact so broke that eating out was a couple of ketchup packets from McDonald's. No, that's an exaggeration, but we were broke. Y'all remember being broke? Some of you are like, it's not that far uh, in the past. Um, We were worried about provision constantly. In fact, there was one time when we were so down financially with no uh, prospects in sight, I went and took a depressed nap. Y'all ever take a depressed nap? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you're just like, I'm just going to take a nap. And you like lay down. Well, as I lay down and closed my eyes, all I could see was a foreclosure sign swinging in the front of our house. I was immediately robbed of rest. And I was convinced. I was convinced that the Lord had taken us that far to drop us. But here's, here's the reality what I learned. Worry is a thief. Worry steals and robs us of the blessings in the moment. And what's crazy is God took care of us. I came to discover that our life was more than just lean months. There are going to be times where we we're going to have lean seasons. There's times where we're going to face crisis. And there's going to be times when we just don't know what to do, like where to go. Should I stay in this job? Should I not stay in this job? What am I supposed to do? I've found in my life that what I worry about tends to get bigger. The bigger my problem gets, the smaller God gets. And I've made a decision. I want to have a big God and small problems. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I want to have a big God and small problems. Because I've spent enough of my life with big problems and a small God. Our life consists more than what we worry about. That's the first reason we don't have to worry. Your life is more than what you worry about. The second reason that we don't have to worry, and and this is one that brings so much encouragement to my soul, is God takes care of his creation. And Jesus is going to argue from creation that God will take care of his children. When we worry, we are forgetting just how gracious, amazing, and providing our God is. Jesus tells us first to look up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Okay. Look up. There's some birds right there. They neither toil nor spin. They don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I love that phrase, your heavenly Father. Underline that in your Bible. See, I need to be reminded of who my heavenly Father is. Your heavenly father. God is my heavenly father. And you know what? He's not the alcoholic, abusive father I grew up with. He is gracious. And he is kind. God is described, our father is described in unfathomable terms as Abba, Daddy, and love. That God is Love and his love it extends to all of his creatures, down to the little sparrow. When we were like 15 minutes into our marriage, early, early on, I was working at a bakery and uh, I was going to school, and I was, I was, oh man, we were so worried about all kinds of stuff, and and uh, as often was the case, I would, I would take a break, and one of the great things about working at a bakery is there's just like ample bread. Bread is delicious. Jesus is the bread of life for all you who are on keto. I just want to say that. Um, He didn't call himself the bacon of life. I just, so I'm, I'm eating uh, this delicious sandwich and uh, I'm sitting up under an overhang and there's all these birds in the rafters. And as I'm sitting there, they get more and more excited. Why? they're like, Brad. And uh, I'm just enjoying And I'm reading this particular passage and, and it was just a season. We were broke. I mean, broke. And I was, I was pulling down a staggering $8.25 an hour. I mean, I say that. I mean, there was tips involved. So it was like $8.50 an hour. And um, I'm reading this passage, and uh, I just am like, God, how are we gonna do this? And, and I'm just like, I start tossing out bread, and, and the birds are like, jump, 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 and they I come flying down and they're eating bread, and it, it hits me all of a sudden. I'm like, oh God, you're providing for the birds of the air. I'm like a conduit of your provision. I went home, I'm like, Madeline, check this out. She heard the story, she's like, you're a dork. <laughs> That's the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. I like, yeah, I guess it is kind of cheesy. But, but I started thinking about it, you know. Those birds up in the rafters, they're not worried about stuff. They're not like, chirp, chirp, chirp. You hear about the economy? Oh, I don't know we're going to do. Oh, my gosh, you've been vaccinated? I don't know. Are you going to get vaccinated? chirp, 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 chirp. chirp. Uh, I may may have to restructure my retirement plan. (laughs) They're just like, they're like bread. We love bread. Bugs. Oh, water. (laughs) Birds are just happy to be there, man. They're just like stoked. I mean, every now and then they're like, you're on my perch. No, you're on my perch. And they just kind (laughs) of, and then they sit back down and Started thinking about it, I'm like, that's really what we're called to be like, is just relax and just not worry. God's going to provide. You know, those birds were not worried about tomorrow. They were in the rafters, and uh, they were able to just enjoy, and they trusted in God's provision. And here's the deal. If, if God's loving provision extends to little insignificant birds, how much more How much more will our Heavenly Father provide for us? I I love this, Matthew 6, 26. Are you not of more value than they? Are you more valuable than a little bird to God? Of course you are. Now we are precious to God. God loves and cares for his children. He cherishes us so much so that he sent his son to die for us. He did not send his son to die for the little sparrows. Now, he sent his son to die for us. The scriptures tell us that God sees us as his masterpieces. We are his workmanship. We are his poema. We are his poetry. You are invaluable to God. You are a priceless piece of divine art. God will never trade you in, God will never divorce you. God will never abandon you. God will never forsake you. God will never turn his back on you. He'll never regret purchasing your life. When God pulls out his wallet, I love this yesterday. We were sitting out of lunch. This lady pulls out her wallet and she goes, Do you know when God pulls out his wallet, your picture's there, he's like, you see my kids? We are the poster children of his grace. Oh, anxious Christian, look at the birds. You know, Jesus then turns our attention to the wild flowers, Matthew 6, verses 28 through 30, and why are you anxious? I mean, that could sit for a moment and just kind of simmer why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. While well, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his resplendent glory, was not arrayed like one of these little wild flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you... Of little faith. Hmm. I love blue bonnet season. Don't you? It's not the best. You know, blue bonnet season in North Texas, in my opinion, one of the cool times of year. And it's fascinating. You know, we all go to sleep one spring day, and then miraculously, when we wake up, there's like fields of blue bonnets. And then all of a sudden we're like doing dangerous things like pulling off an interstate just to take our family out and take a photo in these beautiful blue bonnets. I know a, a, a particular friend of mine, he, he always every year takes a picture in the blue bonnets but with like nothing on except blue bonnets. I don't, is that, a, is that normal, is that a normal thing? Nudie blue bonnet pictures? Yeah, I didn't, I, I just wanna make sure. Um, I didn't know if that was like a North Texas thing He is my friend. I I keep a strange group of friends. I'm good with that. But you know what? If you string a couple of warm days together, and you don't get that family picture, the blue bonnets are gone. They're just gone. And and to me, there's nothing more beautiful than that that blue bonnet or fields of them. And and what the Lord is saying, he's like, even Solomon... The great king, one of the greatest kings of Israel, one of the wealthiest men to have ever walked the earth, the wisest of all people who had ever been on earth. You know, in all of his fine robes, and in Armani this, and Rolex that, and and maybe a pair of solid gold Drake Jordans. That was for the students over here, right? sneakerheads. Even then, couldn't be compared to one single wildflower that is here today and is gone tomorrow. If God does such beautiful work of of provision for things that are here momentarily, how much more will he care for us? And we come to discover that it really is a faith issue. You see what worry and anxiety does is it reveals a place where our faith needs to grow. It's revealing parts of our life that it, they're not we're not fully trusting God. And that's a good thing, even though it doesn't feel good. Y'all hear that? Sometimes good things for us don't feel good. But they are good for us. And it's revealing this area that needs to grow spiritually. And you know what? God, time and again, is going to put us all in situations specifically to grow our faith. And, and what's wonderful about that is, is, here's the reality, our whole journey is about faith. Faith is the go-go juice of our spiritual life. Faith is stability when nothing around us makes sense. Faith are those deep and guttural prayers prayed from deep and dark seasons and valleys. Oh, faith, it's a willingness to turn it over to God, to turn your life and your will over to the care of God, to release it. Faith is a willingness to simply trust God. And what I find fascinating is, is Jesus says, O oh, you of little faith. What I love about that is in other passages, Jesus talks about a little faith. See, just a little bit of faith is pretty significant. The faith the size of a mustard seed, which apparently is a pretty tiny seed, is enough to uproot trees and move mountains. If all you have today is just a little bit of faith, that's powerful. That is powerful. He is going to take care of us. God takes care of his creation, little insignificant birds and little insignificant wildflowers, and then us. Third reason we're going to look at this morning of why we don't have to worry is, is worry accomplishes no good thing. Worry accomplishes no good thing. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 27. I had a friend recently share with me, and as I was sitting in his living room, and I was like, man, I'm just anxious. I was laying in all this stuff, and he he goes, you know, Chris, faith is like a rocking chair. And I was like, okay, I'll buy it. Like, okay, it's like a rocking chair. He's like, you know, you can invest a lot of energy rocking that thing back and forth, but in the end, you go nowhere. And he's like, that's what worry is, is like. Matthew 6, 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The answer is no one. You know, we live in a world that is obsessed with living longer. And Just yesterday, I heard a person say that they want to live to 100, but like a healthy 100. Like, I want to live to 100, but a healthy 100. And as, as I thought about that, I was like, you know, thinking like that, Leads us to do crazy things like eat kale. <laughs> if you all have not, you all know who Jim Gaffigan is? I steal his shtick all the time. If you haven't watched Jim Gaffigan, his most recent special, hilarious. Anyway, he talks a lot about kale. So, my good friend and longtime church member, Elder Emeritus, Father, fighter pilot, husband, motorcycle riding, martini sipping, sterling character of a man, uh, Tad Faran, dear friend, just went home to be with Jesus this last week, 93. All the way back when he was in his 80s, and I love talking with him, he's like, oh, you know, when I was in my 80s, I mean, how many people can you sit and just have that kind of conversation with, well... Uh, we're sitting down he was 86 at the time and we were having lunch and and i ordered some like slightly balsamic flavorless salmon salad thing i'm trying to be healthy and and he ordered the captain's platter right like fried everything like i think the napkins came fried like everything on the table and a beer you know and i'm sitting there and i'm like You gonna eat that hush, Peppy? <laughs> and I'm like, Tad, like, kind of reckless abandonment here. I mean, everything's fried. He's like, I have checked everything off my bucket list. You know? I've lived. This isn't the only thing I'm hoping for. And then he's like, Can I borrow your motorcycle? And I was like, Yeah. So he takes off from the restaurant on my motorcycle. He's 86, rides it for the whole day, and he comes back, and he goes, chains loose, and he just went on about his life about his day. You know, as I have spent time and really good time with, with people like Tad, I've come to discover he wasn't clinging to his life. No, he was enjoying it. Because he knew that this life to come, it's so much better that right now, Tad is in the presence of Jesus. You know, like he's, he's with him. He's entered into eternity. And just, a, just this morning, a, a good friend of mine here at the church, he said, Chris, I, I'd had a stroke. getting better but he goes you know the doctor and the nurse they kept telling me you're lucky to be here you're lucky to still be alive and you know what he told them? i'd be okay if i died because i know where i'm going because i know jesus and he said one of the nurses began to cry because she was in the presence of what Christian, we have so much more to cling to. You know, I love Tad, you know, his story, he survived plane crashes and car crashes. I sat bedside with him a half dozen times when he was supposedly dying. And, you know, it's one of the pastoral responsibilities I sit and I, I spend time with, and it, it is, there's some of the most authentic moments, by the way. But then he'd always recover. So I'd have these, like, deep prayers and I, oh, Tad, how much you made in I brought my son one time. It was like a very Abraham moment. The, and then he recovered, and I walked in. I was like, you're still here, Farhan? <laughs> He's like, I know. I'm still here. <laughs> there is a set date and a set hour. And no amount of worry or anxiety or exercise, I'm not saying exercise is bad, by the way. It's good. But it can't delay that day. But here's, here's what worry can do. Worry can make us sick today. Yeah. We can't delay that day, but worry can make us real sick today. Nothing good is accomplished by worry. And so here here are the six reasons we don't have to worry, or really the first three. One, life is more than what we worry about. Whatever it is that you're worried about, your life is more than that. Secondly, God takes care of his creation. He's going to take care of you. And then finally, worry accomplishes no good thing. That is where we will pick up next week. And I I just want to conclude if if we could say this prayer together. Now let's stand together. Yeah. Stretch. And we're going to say this prayer and then we're going to pray and then speak the benediction and then we're going to go back out into this world. But Whatever it is that you're carrying today, that anxious worry, that fear, that anxiety. Maybe that that thought that God really has taken me this far to drop me. I'm not going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living ever again. Let's, let's speak this prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes, Lord, that is our prayer this morning. We thank you for your words of encouragement and strength uh, that, Lord, we have considered long, uh, your gracious provision for us. And we thank you, Jesus, for your love for us. Father, thank you for all of your goodness. May that goodness permeate our hearts today. May we walk out of here with a greater faith. that no matter what we face in this life, you are going to take care of us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, family, it is time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, our love. Now let's carry that love outside of these doors as we lavish it on one another. Have a wonderful Sunday.